Hello and welcome to the River Talks podcast by Unbound. My name is Matthew Rocky, and as always joined by Jonathan Brush for episode number two. And uh, today we've got a really interesting topic for you, uh, one that has been uh, covered in a number of different publications and websites over the last few months, and that is the decrease in men going to college. Um, an interesting note here, um, there is a 10% gap between those ages of 25 to 34 who hold a bachelor's degree between men and women. And women are on the rise in terms of college degrees. Well, uh, males with college education um, seems to be falling. Um, American colleges and universities now enroll roughly six men for every four uh enroll six women for every four men. Um, and this is the largest female male gender gap in the history of higher education as it continues to get wider. So I guess the kind of the opening question that you have to ask is, is this a good thing or something that we should be alarmed about? Uh, what's your thoughts, Jonathan? I tend to like to sort of every time I see something like that, I get a little contrarian streak in me that I sort of try to think about it differently. Uh, there's two things you can look at here that I think could be positive about this. Uh, the first is, is hey, let's not you know fail to recognize that this is significant gains for women's education, and and that's pretty much a good thing across the board. Um, so that means it's more accessible, uh, more people are interested in it, and it's more acceptable in society uh, for women to have more education. And I you know I don't think there's anybody out there who's arguing about that, and I certainly will not break that trend. I can see that as really good news as well. But also there's another piece in here, uh, which is. You know, men are not interested in college. There could be a couple of good reasons for that. For example, is that because they think they don't need it? And is that actually playing out that way? You know, in other words, are men getting jobs instead of going to college? Well, generally, I think that'd probably be a good thing. The second thing is, if this is getting some notice, uh, I tend to think it's good because colleges then have to sort of step back and say, why? And if they do that, I think they address some issues that are sort of sitting there uh, below the surface that are pretty big issues in higher education um, that might be driving some of this stuff. But the piece there, Matthew, that I think is is uh, kind of interesting, and I don't know that we read any as we were researching this topic, if we read any articles that really shed a lot of light on this, is that you know I scratch my head and say, why? Why are men not attending college? If it's because, indeed, they're finding jobs and they're getting employed, well, then I generally think that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, The only thing more useful to a young male than having being in college is probably working, you know, being able to actually make, you know, create value in the world. Uh, but if it's because men are just disenfranchised and they're staying at home and, you know, sitting in their parents' basements playing video games, well, then that's a much bigger problem that this is just a canary in the coal mine for. You know, this is kind of the early warning signs of a major uh, shift in a problem in society that is probably worth paying attention to. So on the surface, I kind of say, well, oh, this could be good news, uh, but uh, you have to dig a little deeper and see exactly what's going on here. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, there was one article I read. I'm not sure if you saw the same information, but I thought I'd throw it out to you um, to hear what your response is. Um, they said that higher education um, before, um, when we look back, so kind of backing up, I guess I would say first, this trend of downward um men uh, appearing in college um, has actually been around since the mid 80s. Um, it hasn't been something that's really developed in the last few years. It's been around for um, over 40 years now or almost 40 years. Um, but prior to that, um, of course, you had a lot of people who were be able to make a median income in manufacturing, in uh, mining and different careers like that, which are no longer as relevant in today's world um, as before. And so um, 
there was one article that I read that made the case that the reason why we're seeing the downward decline in men in higher education is that um, a lot of the poor or median income uh, families and males have not been able to uh, adapt to the uh, uh, culture or the economy that we have right now where a high school degree is insufficient. Um, do you think there there's truth to that or what, what do you other factors do you think could be in play? Well, I think that that may, I mean, intuitively, and of course, I haven't done my own research on this. Other than I've read a few articles saying similar things. Uh, intuitively, I think we sh- we should look at that and make that makes sense. You know, I mean, if we go back, you know, I used to say twenty years ago, and that's like a long time. I'm old enough now that that doesn't feel like quite as long as it did before. But you know, thirty, forty years ago, we go back and and we think that there was definitely you know industrial jobs. There were really good union protected jobs in manufacturing. You go work for Ford, GM, or you know, go up to Detroit and work for the car companies or uh, work for a steel mill or something like that. And uh, you would find not just employment, but employment that was long term. Um, and so the idea that those don't exist, and so now that's disenfranchised some men. Um, yeah, I, I think that rings true. But here's where I want to kind of press back against that and say, I'm not so sure that that's actually a bad thing. Now, now you have to be really cautious. I know this is like now treading on water. You're not supposed to, I mean, treading on, on thin ice here and, and, and swimming in water. You're not supposed to swim in, in this modern culture, uh, because we're going to state something that I think is, is blindingly obvious, but is a hot political thing to say, which is, I think men and women are different. I think that you can sort of observe that. And so you know, if we're going to break that down to some simplest terms, you can say something like men tend to be more action based, right? So there's always been a significant portion of the male population who's not interested in sitting behind a desk, either to study or to work. They're interested in getting out and getting moving and doing something. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And in fact, I think that can be a strong creative force in society. Now, if you're listening to this and that starts to get under your skin, Please be careful about what I did and didn't say. I didn't say anything about women shouldn't be able to do things. I didn't say about, you know, that, that means that they don't act, as, you know, they, they aren't able to do action-based things. I'm just saying that it seems that it's just a casual observation, you know, and you can start with a kindergarten class next to you or a, or a bunch of young kids playing around. Uh, you know, you've got men or they're always going to be a significant portion of the population that want to get in and get their hands dirty instead of sitting behind a desk. If that's the case, then we can kind of sit and wring our hands and say, oh, those jobs aren't there. And then we got to find another way to shove them into school. But maybe there's a better way to do this. I, I want to sort of sit in this and look at it and say, well, maybe there's a better way to educate those people. Maybe there's a better way to train those people. And maybe there's a better way to offer those people opportunities. And in fact, I think that there's a lot of new jobs and opportunities coming down the pike uh, for men. Uh, there's some ways that the economy are changing that actually could be quite advantageous, but we might be caught in the kind of curve here where we haven't sort of adjusted uh, to the whole, you know as a society to all that. What that does mean, though, that for people who are aware of the curve and sort of understand some of the cultural forces happening here, this could be a significant advantage. Uh, so, you know, if you're the parent of a young man who's not interested in college or you're a young man who's not interested in college, you know, don't sit back and say, oh, I'm, I'm messed up because the system doesn't work and culture's changed. Instead, you might look at this and scratch your head and say, there could be some really unique opportunities here. And what does that look like? Yeah, you mentioned interest there a couple of times. Do you think that's kind of a primary motivation for men and why we're seeing this decrease is just that there's not a lot of interest in going to college? Um, Or is it more just a disinterest in the system? Yeah, so I think there's a disturbing trend here and there's maybe a helpful trend here. I think the disturbing trend 
is that I've read some articles and done some research that sort of indicates that, you know, men are disenfranchised from college because college is actively working against them. Um, and then there's some, you know, there's different things cited there in terms of the political climate, in terms of uh, some of the social climate on college campuses, in terms of expectations and those kinds of things. That may or may not be true. I don't know that I'm in a great position to judge that. And there seems to me to be kind of fraught with peril going down that path. Um, I, there's some, I don't know, some of the broad sweeping conclusions I've read on both sides uh, leave me a little squeamish about what we're saying about what people can and can't do. And so not super excited about that line of reasoning, although I think there's, you know, there's merit in kind of looking at that. The second then is that, you know, so, so there could be some bad reasons for that, but then there could be some, some better reasons. And I think that those are the ones that I want to sort of focus on and say, you know, men are going to college because they think at some level, you know, college is going to be useful for them. Um, that is both a challenge for colleges, perhaps rethink the way they offer things, but it also is a challenge like, okay, if there's a group of people out there doing that, what is useful for them to do? And what does that opportunity look like? And I think I get excited about that, Matthew, because I've spent so much time talking to people who think that the only option for their future is to go to college. And this happens to young men a lot. You know, I know if I don't go to college, I'm going to and insert whatever terrible job is it, you know, that everybody thinks is terrible. You know, I'm, I'm going to be working at McDonald's the rest of my life, or I'm going to be digging ditches the rest of my life, or whatever the terrible thing it is that people think happens to folks who don't get college degrees. And that's always been super frustrating to me because I think there's actually a world of opportunity out there that doesn't necessarily require a college degree or can be achieved by thinking about things differently. And so in that extent, I think when, you know, if, if the, the reason for men not going to college is because things have shifted, they see less value there, and they're looking around for things of value other places, you know, I'm enough of a free market person to think that that's probably good. That's going to create some demand, and it's going to create some opportunity. And ultimately, you know, if we find a way to re-engage this group of people that are more action-oriented than behind a desk-oriented, that's probably good for us in the long run, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I would kind of take on that, too, that um, as far as um, what people say that they're achieving out of college, um, just 49 percent of four year college graduates uh, say their college education was extremely useful in terms of helping them grow personally and intellectually. So I think if there's a disinterest in the system, uh, whether from males or females, um, I think we're seeing that kind of across the board. Um, so I guess kind of when you go back to the why, the next question you kind of ask is what needs to change? What, why is there this dissatisfaction with what um, people are getting out of a four-year college degree? Yeah, I tell you what, Matthew, we got uh, this statistic from an article from the Pew Research Center, and uh, it was kind of buried down at the bottom. And it stated, you know, overall, 49% of four-year college, I'm, I'm reading the quote, 49% of four-year four uh, four college graduates say their college education was extremely useful in terms of helping them grow personally and intellectually. Um, that that was just stated kind of at the bottom. And, you know, overall 49%, it didn't say only 49%. It just said overall 49%. It almost portrayed that in a positive light. And I got to tell you, I read that and just kind of my eyeballs came to a screeching halt. I looked at that and I thought, <laughs> did I read that correctly? Okay, just just be you know clear to anybody who's listening to this. I want you to just pause for a second. Peer Research Center is saying less than half of college graduates say their education was extremely useful in terms of helping them grow personally and intellectually. Now, you know, I will tell you 100% of people that I talk to who want to go to college are going to college because they think that it's going to help them personally and intellectually. And now we're saying that on the outcome side, less than half of the people that are going to college, 
Look, let's just take a deep breath as a society. College is more expensive than it's ever been. The debt load is higher than it's ever been. The opportunity cost is higher than it's ever been. We're talking about a major sacrifice of time and treasure to do something, and less than half of the people that do it think that they got their investment out of it. Is there anything else out there right now that people think that it'd be worth spending the biggest expenditure probably outside of their home that they're ever going to spend? And then there's only going to be half as useful. I, yeah, I'm just trying. I'm struggling here to think about something else. If I told you that, you know, most people want to buy a home, but half the people that buy their homes, their homes burn down before they live in it for 10 years. Do you think people would still buy homes? I mean, does that make sense? Uh, so I, I'm not entirely sure what to do with that in terms of solution. I'm not claiming to have some sort of inside knowledge on how to fix that situation. But I think at the very least, it ought to make all of us sort of stop and say, wait a second, less than half. I, you know, at a minimum, I would just say if I was giving advice and I try not to give a lot of advice, but here's one that I might be a little risky and say, at minimum, you better be blamed sure that you're in that half or think there's a good chance that you're in that half, uh, if male or otherwise, before you start investing the kind of treasure and time it's going to take uh, when the statistic says something like that. So uh, it's a little different from what you asked there, Matthew, but I, I just... I, <laughs> Just thought that was a breathtaking statistic. Hey, you know, and there's some that come after that that are even more startling. But, but yeah, let's just start there. Uh, look, if you're listening to this and you're considering college, pause for a moment and realize that half the people who go to college just say that ain't it didn't help them intellectually and personally. It didn't help them to grow personally and intellectually. And so you should ask that question. Are you pretty certain it's going to help you grow personally intellectually? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to help you grow personally intellectually? And if you're not sure about that, maybe, maybe you should pause and do something else uh, for a little bit or consider different kinds of educational options, uh, especially before you take and sign a loan for, uh, to get that education. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think I would kind of go back to the, the original um, question that we started off with, you know, men are going to college less. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, what we've been seeing from a lot of higher education or the different articles that we've read is that this is a very negative thing, um, that people are not seeing this as a, as a trajectory that's really worth following. Um, and I think that kind of ties into the cultural norm that's really been widely accepted for a lot of years of, you know, people have put in uh, expectation on young people to go to college. Um, and when they don't, it's viewed as a really poor choice or a really bad decision. And so do you think a lot of people who are going to college are doing it for that reason? Or are there actually still a lot of genuine reasons for going to college? I would tell you that for, and here we can get back to the 20 years that actually relates to me. Uh, for more than 20 years, I have now been uh, interacting with college students, typically presenting college to them, presenting a, some sort of higher education option to them, um, uh, speaking all across the country, interacting with parents, with students. And, and this has been a longstanding opinion. I, you, know, you can find recordings at various conferences of me talking about this going back at least 12 or 14 years. Uh, that, that is absolutely the case, Matthew. I, I have just, it is very rare that I run into a young person who says they want to go to college, I think that makes sense. Uh, in other words, I feel confident that they've actually thought through this and it actually does make sense for them to go to college. Now, now listen to that carefully. I don't mean I think most people shouldn't go to college necessarily. I'm just saying that the vast majority of people that I talk to are not going to college for the right reason. And here's where, you know, your cultural moment in terms of where we are in time as a society and as a culture and other factors becomes a big deal. If we would push back 20 or 30 years, and you had an opportunity to go to college, but you weren't sure if you should go to college, it made a lot of sense to go to college. 
Uh, there was less people with degrees. There was more return for those degrees. The cost was much less. And so I think people got in the habit of saying, you know, if you can go to college, you should. And I don't think that advice was wrong. I think in that time and place, that made a lot of sense. The problem is that that, for some reason, the idea that you must go to college, if at all possible, and it gives you this tremendous advantage, is now kind of a cultural truth that everybody just is sure is true, and it's an unexamined truth. Uh, but the cost of going to college is completely different. And I think that there's a whole bunch of factors that are different. First, the cost is tremendously higher. The indebtedness is tremendously higher. You know, this is recorded everywhere, right? Uh, the opportunity cost is tremendously higher. That's a less, uh, that maybe is more important than the actual cost. Uh, but a lot less talked about. And, you know, the idea being, that, you know, if you spent four years going to college, you're not spending four years doing something else. And what is the opportunity cost for that? And then here's another thing that, you know, is not stated much, but the quality of education has gone down tremendously. And let, again, listen carefully. I'm not bashing colleges, nor am I bashing, you know, higher education officials and professors and all those things. But the nature of what it means to be educated has changed tremendously, as we've talked about even in our last episode. And because of that, the value of the education has changed tremendously. Uh, so, you know, even if colleges were given the exact same kind of degree and same kind of quality they were giving 30 years ago, uh, that does not mean that it has the same value in our current cultural situation. And I would argue and have argued for a long time that that's changed dramatically. Um, so you put all those factors together and all of a sudden you have this cultural weight that says you must go to college. So it's an unexamined truth that's not really true. And so most students are going to college because they think that they ought to, or they think that it gives them some sort of massive advantage, but they're not sure what that advantage is. Uh, so the result is the vast majority of students I've talked to over the years, uh, you know, so a lot of them should have gone to college, but they were going for completely the wrong reasons in terms of having thought that out. And, you know, to define that a little further, if you're not sure why you're going to college and you don't have a firm grasp on what exactly you're going to get, like, you know what that value is and what that value is worth. And I don't mean precisely like you can know it all completely because that's that's not really possible. But you just have some sense of that or you at least ask those questions. If you haven't done that, you're probably not ready to go to college. I mean, you probably haven't examined it deeply enough to make a wise decision, especially considering the cost of it, you know, and value you're looking at right now. Yeah, there's a couple of different directions that we could go in from here. Um, but one thing I want to just circle back to and touch on that you mentioned is you said the quality of education has certainly gone down. And I think that's evident, again, with some of the statistics that were in the Pew Research article. Uh, and they were talking about how there's a lot of differences in age and what people see as value. Um, speak a little bit more about uh, what what goes into all of that. Yeah, so this Pew Research article, you know, it talked about, um, you know, after the fact that, you know, less than half of people thought that it was useful to them personally, intellectually, uh, it got worse. Uh, some 44% of college graduates, and again, you got to just wonder about the presentation here. Some 44%, you know, I've been tempted to say only 44% of college graduates say their college education was extremely useful to them in opening doors to job opportunities. Um, so, a smaller share say the college is extremely useful in helping them develop specific skills and knowledge that can be used in the workplace, 38% uh, of men and 40% of women. So, so again, let's just pause and look at this. Like this is 44% and 38%. So well, again, under half coming down into a third, uh, say that this was not helpful in getting a job. Matthew, almost every time I ask people why they're going to college, they say to get a better job. Uh, the, you know, the, in the public's mind, college and degree su and career success are synonymous. And so people are thinking, I have to go to college 
and, you know, and, and we hear this all the time. It's a very complicated world. You have to be educated. You have to have a college degree. And look, a lot of companies are set up like this and to some extent. And yet here's, you know, less than half of our college graduates are saying this wasn't useful to me. And then and say this last last one here, this one really blew me away. There are differences by age for each of these items. And again, I'm just quoting directly from the article. As younger college graduates are less likely than older ones to see value in their college education. So younger college graduates, less likely than older to see value in their college education. That makes sense based on what we just said in terms of the differences in college educations, the difference in our cultural moment. Uh, you know, So based on what I said before, intuitively it makes sense to you that an older person would say, hey, this degree was very useful to me. There have been less people with degrees and the economy worked differently then. And young people say, I don't think this worked very well. But then just listen to this. For example, only, I'm going to read this slowly. For example, only a third of college graduates younger than 50, compared with 45% of those 50 and older, say their college experience is extremely useful in helping them develop skills and knowledge that can be used in the workplace. Okay, first of all, the overall number is still under half, including for 50 and older. I think that's breathtaking. But then you even go even farther and you say, uh, only a third of those younger than 50 think this helped them. Basically, you know, translate this a little bit. Uh, only a third of, of younger people under, and younger people defined as younger than 50. Uh, so I'm in that category. Uh, only a third of them uh, found out that, or, or say that, you know, college helped them with their career or gave them skills and knowledge that they could use in the workplace. All right. I think functionally what this says is the vast majority, if you're going to college now or anytime in the near future, the majority and the solid two-thirds majority, which is enough to make a decision in almost any situation, two-thirds majority is saying college was not particularly useful to them and giving them the skills they need in the workplace. So can we bottom line this? College is not helping you in the workplace. College is not giving you useful career skills. College is not going to train you for your career. College is not going to help you gain skills you're going to use in your, uh, in your job in almost every case. Now, the third is left. I, you know, I'm guessing that's made up of a lot of nursing students and engineering students and people like that. So if you're in those categories, then you're in the third that you need a college degree and it makes not a lot of sense. But if you're not in those categories, you should really slam on the pause button here and say, what does this mean? Um, you know, if this isn't going to help me get ready for work, then I should be going to college for a reason other than work. Can you articulate what that reason is? You may still need to go to college. And if not, you should really think about, okay, if I have to get a degree, what else do I need to do to gain those work skills? And if I can gain those work skills without getting a degree, there might be a real shortcut to the system here. Um, and this is where we come back to some of stuff we said at the beginning, which is, you know, if you're a young man and you're thinking this through, that could be a significant advantage to you. Now, equally so if you're a young woman, but, you know, right now it might be that men are sort of getting a little bit of a corner on this earlier than women for, for some of those reasons we noted. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to um, kind of just men and not being in college either. One of the assumptions that I saw in in some of the articles, especially one that I read, was that men who don't go to college are going to more likely live what they would call a quote unquote haphazard life. Uh, one that's kind of disjointed, one that, you know, they spend time in a ton of different like, you know, careers that aren't necessarily viewed as um, being, you know, middle class or high profile. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, about those assumptions and, you know, maybe what the alternatives are, um, for men who don't want to go to college? What, what are the other options that they have? Yeah. So I think this is a fascinating thing. So 
I think the problem here, I don't at all question the statistical relevance of those, nor the studies. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, hey, you know, when studies can be wrong and they're proved wrong and sometimes their methodology is wrong, and I have no indication that that's the case for any of those things. I think intuitively, if we listen, to, and it kind of backs up common sense, right? You know, if you don't go to college, you don't have a degree, you, you don't necessarily get into one particular field, and then you might bounce around a couple of those things, and those things might be lower paying jobs and they have less mobility and stuff like that. Uh, and so we say, oh yeah, that's true. we should probably go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the problem is studies lag behind reality. And reality looks very different from when those studies were taken, even if those studies were done as, as recently as two years ago, right? I mean, if, if that study was in 2019, uh, then 2021, 2022's looking pretty different all of a sudden. And I think that therein lies something to pay attention to. So if you're listening to this, first of all, you're probably in a rarefied category. You care enough about education to be listening to an education podcast. And therefore, you're thinking critically about it in a way that most people won't. So congratulations, first of all. But secondly, that means that some of this statistical stuff probably doesn't apply to you uh, because you're already sort of thinking a little bit deeper about this. And look, like it or not, uh, people who think deeper about things get different results than people that just sort of go with whatever is flowing along. So, so let's, uh, let's kind of pull this back and examine it a little bit. So first of all, if you would think about, hey, if a study in 2019 says if you don't get a college degree, you get a disjointed career and you have sort of less advanced opportunities, stuff like that, might make sense intuitively. But what if we jump that forward? What if we jumped it forward to now, where the economy at this moment, at the recording of this podcast, you know, you cannot walk down the street or Main Street anywhere without tripping over help wanted signs everywhere. There's a huge disenfranchisement from the workforce. There's a lot of people not in those jobs. And we're seeing situations where anybody willing to work, young men or young women, uh, who are willing to work, do their best, and really engage in something, those are people that are likely getting promoted and getting responsibility at a far faster rate than they ever have before. So that's when the opportunity cost changes dramatically. So, so let's just think about this for a second, right? Um, let's say you went to college uh, and you spent four years getting a management degree and you come out four years later when all of a sudden the vast wave of people are coming back into the workforce for whatever reason and getting a job now is really difficult and getting a management job is difficult. Well, why would that be difficult? Well, let's think about a huge company like UPS or something like that, right? Which all of a sudden, because of the way the economy works, is booming right now. But they can't get anybody to work anywhere. And you show up and you go into that company and you show up and you work hard. and You load trucks for them in the warehouse for a little bit. And you sign up for their management program. And you get promoted like crazy because nobody else is there. And they're booming. They got a business that's booming. And there's nobody working for them. And in four years, you could fly through the ranks and pick up huge amounts of inside experience. Now, four years later, what do you think is going to happen? Is that company going to give you the job? Somebody's worked for them for four years, gone through their management training they know and trust and have a bunch of reviews from, or they're going to give it to some person that's wet behind the ears that just graduated from college with a management degree. That's a pretty obvious question to answer, right? And so just think about that now projected on a grand scheme across the economy, and you can see where this, no matter what the statistics and the surveys and the studies and the, and the reports said from recently, the current reality on the ground looks dramatically different right now. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing to think about is that Okay, that may be true if we're talking about somebody who didn't go to college because of an extreme lack of ambition. I'm not going to college because it's hard work and I'm scared of hard work and I want to do something else or I don't want to put in the time and stuff like that. And so now that person goes to work at some sort of job and they never really advance because they don't really have a lot of drive. Okay, I can see that. But now what happens if you take the same person who could thrive in a college atmosphere, who does have that sort of intrinsic drive and stuff, and now you give them four years of experience in some sort of trade? Um, so let me just use an example of a plumber, right? 
Uh, plumbing is not something that people think is a long-term career option. If you think of a plumber, you're generally thinking, oh, this is a person that didn't go to college. But what if you were a person who didn't go to college, you went into plumbing, you mastered the trade, you got the certifications, you have the drive and ambition, and all of a sudden you look around and say, there's a lack of plumbers across the country. True fact. Just talk to, talk to Mike Rowe and some of the stuff that he does to see this. Um, and people typically have a real problem with the way plumbing is done and the people that come do plumbing. Also fact. I can speak from personal experience of that. I've got an idea on how I can train people better, teach them better, give them real customer service skills and real customer relationship skills, send them out to do the plumbing, and I can franchise that. Well, now all of a sudden you're looking at somebody who has opportunities that are way different than somebody who came out from a, a college degree and could be quite lucrative if you just measure things with financial stuff, but also really interesting in terms of the opportunity to do something different and approach life from a different angle. Uh, one that you know has some historical roots, but for the last you know 50 years, our society is kind of you know dismissed. Uh, but they, you know, I don't know that they've got the full orb look at that. What happens if you take a person who's ambitious enough who could be successful at college and instead you put them right into the workforce? I think that person is going to find tremendous opportunities, even as they defy the overall statistical analysis that's going on here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does make sense. And I think kind of the other thing that ties right into it is a lot of people have made, you know, assumptions about higher education and tied it directly to success, you know, in order to be successful, in order to do something that you're going to be in the middle class, upper class, whatever, you have to have this degree, you have to have this, you know, quote unquote, specialized training uh, to get there. When I, you know, I think we're finding more and more, especially within in within these trades, there's a lot of money there, and there's a lot of opportunity to grow and become your own manager, to have your own business, to um, to work for somebody else and be a very ho high profile employee, um, and just work your way through that trade in that system rather than having to get shipped off to some college or university for four years um, and never gain that hands on experience. I, I want to shift gears a little bit um, and just uh, going back to that whole success thing that I, uh, it was a, a statistic that I that I found pretty interesting. I know this is kind of uh, a topic that you could go into all in and of its own. Um, but in 2018, there is a Harvard study done um, about this whole uh, idea of um, going to college and income and everything. And something that they found um, was that in neighborhoods, both among, you know, all nationalities, um, the neighborhoods that uh, were low income and they didn't have a father present, uh, majority of those um, males never went to college. They never pursued um, any mm -hmm. kind of higher learning, uh, never more than anything uh, be below staying really in the same um, uh, pay gap that they were raised in. Um, whereas in neighborhoods, even if you yourself didn't have a father, if you were in a neighborhood that had a lot of fathers, um, and had a lot of role models, you were more likely to pursue a career that was successful. And I think that is an interesting element that plays into this as well, you know, is the role models that we have, um, whether they're telling us to be pursuing uh, our dreams or whatever, um, it can play a huge impact into where we go long term. Yeah, and I think you're right, Matthew. We could do probably several sessions on this, and I think we're both pretty passionate about this. I find a deep frustration when you read things like we have from the Pew Research here that seems to treat this in isolation as sort of this strange sort of anomaly, like all of a sudden men aren't getting degrees. Um, and then, you know, we don't operate in a vacuum. Like, like and it, it all parts of our life are kind of have impacts and connections to other parts of our life 
Uh, you know, there's all kinds of really fascinating studies that show, you know, the connection between success and physical fitness and success and spiritual development and those kinds of things, how they're related and how they're not and how those things affect one another. And I mean, you know, what's the conclusion from that? Well, we're holistic people. And that makes sense to us from a Christian worldview, right? God, God created us entirely. And so it makes sense that all those things should be kind of operating together. And so, yeah, you say, well, why are men not going to college? Well, we could ask some other even more difficult questions. Why are men shooting up schools? Why are men extremely violent? Why are men, uh, you know, rioting in cities? Why are crime rates skyrocketing across our country? Why is homicide on the rise? And, you know, if you look at any of those things or all of those things, there is a couple of factors that go all the way across. And the lack of father figures is a really strong and also is a lack of community. And so at the end of the day, forget about degrees, forget about college degrees. Let's just talk about, you know, what's the difference between a productive male in society and a destructive male in society? And, and almost without exception, the difference is a father figure in a community. Um, and so, you know, if you really are concerned about this, you ought to be concerned at a deeper level than just who's getting a degree and who's not. Um, like it or not, back to our questions about men and women, you know, men unrestrained break stuff. And men with a purpose don't. They create stuff. And a society that has more men creating stuff than breaking stuff is a society that will succeed. A society that has more men breaking stuff than creating stuff is a society that's on its last days. And you know, when that happens, I think it's, it really behooves all of us to step back and say, okay, we've got an issue here. How can we solve that issue? And, uh, you know, one of the kind of both exciting and scary things about this is it could be just as simple as A, being a great father to your children, whether or not you have children or not, aspiring to be a good father if you don't have children, and then looking around and seeing how you can be a mentor and a father figure to people that don't have it if you're in a community that needs that. Um, and then how can you magnify that by, you know, encouraging others around you and creating systems, which is a fancy word for communities of places where this is a thing. Do that, and I don't know what happens to the college degree rate, but I can tell you that generally, you know, you're going to get in the right side of the create versus destroy side of things, and that's long-term where we need to be headed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, there were some other um, facts and and some of the other articles that we looked at that talked about incarceration rates among males being higher and growing. And I think that can also play into why, of course, less men are entering college, you know, are entering um, these other higher education fields. Uh, I want to bring it back, though, um, and and kind of talk. OK, so we've talked a lot about, you know, the college system as a whole. Yes, it's it's not it's not bringing the value um, that it maybe once did. But either way, people are walking away from it really disenchanted with the whole system um, and not feeling like it really prepared them or helped them um, to be able to uh, to to get those jobs to um, to grow personally and intellectually. So I think the question that we have to ask now is what should post high school education look like and is that really a route that should really even be encouraged at this point? Yeah. So this is one of those questions that, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of spending, uh, you know, a career sort of thinking about, and I presented and spoken about this in lots of different places. And just so you know, you know, the first lectures that you might find recorded about those don't look like the last lectures. <laughs> I mean, like this is a journey, right? You're always kind of learning new things. And uh, that's certainly been the case for me. But, but one of the driving things I wanted to ask, starting from when I have my first child, is that, oh, what exactly am I educating for? What's the purpose of education? Uh, what should it be doing? 
And yeah, when we say we expect people to go to college and come out the other end as adults, what are we expecting college to provide? And one of the things I found is that when we started looking at what we expected college to provide, it's kind of ridiculous to expect college to do that. Like, I don't think they're really optimized to do those kinds of things. And so uh, here's a, a list that we use in Unbound. And I don't mean because, you know, you should enroll your student in Unbound, although that's a fantastic option as far as we're concerned. But I'm just saying that, that we have had a chance not to design these. These are not things that we said, oh, we should invent this. But we looked around and we said, you know, I said, look, I've spent well over a decade in traditional higher education, over a decade in non-traditional education, over 20 years collectively doing edu higher education, watching lots and lots of students come through, some succeed and some fail. And so what was the difference between those two? So, so what, who, what, what are the people that succeed, what they look like? And the people that didn't succeed, what did they look like? And can we distill that down and we can find a couple pieces where we say, hey, if these things happen, generally people do better. Um, and uh, I think there's four things that we've discovered that we've really said, hey, if your education does this, you're probably on the right track. And the first of those is ask. If your education teaches you to ask instead of teaches you answers. Now, that's counterintuitive. And we'll probably do a whole session about this at some point in the a whole podcast about this sometime in the future. But the bottom line here is that there's a, a really important distinction between a questions-based paradigm and an answers-based paradigm. Our education system, by and large, is optimized for an answers-based paradigm. But we live in a world that operates in a questions-based paradigm. And if you don't have an educational process that's teaching you how to ask great questions, and instead is saying that you can learn all the right answers, you're probably being failed by your educational system. Furthermore, if you're an educational system that heavily penalizes failure and doesn't set up failure as a natural process in asking better questions and getting better answers, you're probably having a problem. And just to let you know, our entire education system is designed that way. That's not the way real life has ever worked, and it's not the way real life works now. Uh, you need an education system to teach you how to ask better questions and that teaches you that failure is an inevitable part of learning and that when you fail, you sort of learn from that and move forward. So ask, and then of course, if you're asking questions to understand. And we say that, look, one of the most important things to understanding is understanding the power of story in our lives. Despite what the media would tell you, despite what a lot of experts will tell you, intuitively, people understand that you live your life as a story not as a set of scientific string together facts. I don't mean science is important. I don't mean there is some scientific realities that govern pieces of our life, like gravity and oxygen. I'm just saying that our lives are driven more by imagination and story and narrative than most people realize. And when you do realize that, it significantly alters your perception of what's going on, and it helps you to live a better story. Uh, furthermore, we would say that, you know, the, the kind of, embodiment of this is the story presented in the Bible, right? And if you don't understand the story being taught in the Bible, then you're not going to understand Western civilization. And look, we say this from a Christian standpoint, and we believe that from a matter of faith, but you don't have to be a Christian to see this as really essential. Um, I don't think it's a, a controversial statement to say the most influential cultural power on the planet is the United States of America, and especially if you add to that Europe. Europe and the United States of America, North America, is heavily driven, um, as well as now an increasing part of the global South, is heavily driven by biblical narrative and biblical story and biblical understanding. And so, you know, just a real quick example. If you're a refugee that just came out of Afghanistan and all you've ever known is, you know, Islam, and you've been evacuated to the United States and you land in this culture, you don't have to believe Christianity uh, to know that figuring out the Bible and what the Bible says is going to be real essential for you to make sense of almost practically everything you're seeing in this new culture that you find yourself in. And if that's not a core piece of the educational process, you're probably missing a core piece of the educational process.
Uh, third piece here, so it's ask, understand. The third piece is do. And we believe, and this kind of lends itself to what we're talking about with uh, you know our, our guys here, is that you know at this point, there's less theoretical education and more hands-on education because technology disrupts things so quickly that it's necessary to iterate instead of plan. So planning was really important 30, 40 years ago and everything moved slower. Iteration is the key now. Iteration means doing. And so an educational process that doesn't have you doing actual real stuff versus just theoretical stuff is an education that's probably behind the times. And then finally, this is the piece that I want to kind of end this piece on is, is to really be important is that an education that doesn't prepare you to live is an education that's failing. In other words, we've gotten to the point that we're so pragmatic that we think an education should only prepare you for a job and for a career. And that implies that a job and a career is the definition of your life. A job and career is not the definition of your life. A job, a career, money, salary, houses, cars, and everything else only makes sense in the context of relationships. And if you don't understand how to relate to other people, the importance of other people, from a Christian worldview, the fact that everybody's made in a Mago day, which means in the image of God, if you don't understand how that works and have a deep sense of the, uh, the, the connection that you have between other people and that what you do ultimately only matters in terms of those relationships, then you're never really going to be able to live a fulfilling life. Um, and so I would argue that an educational process should touch on all those. No process gets that perfectly right, including Unbound. Uh, but you know, if, if you're thinking about what kind of things you should learn between now and the time you're fully independent or as you become fully independent, I think you could do a lot worse than to start with ask, understand, do, and live and sort of break that down, think of it in those terms and examine each of those a little bit. Yeah. And that's kind of the way we're going to wrap up today. But that framework is a really important one to hold on to because it's going to be one that we're going to be looking at a lot of the topics um, throughout the the future podcasts that we have um, from, you know, is, you know, that that do that ask the understanding um, and just living it out. Um, that'll wrap up uh, our podcast for today. Um, again, just hoping that uh, the uh, questions and the uh, content that we uh, we're able to talk about today, uh, drive you to continue to ask questions, do your own research, uh, continue to explore these topics, um, and make sense of, of the, uh, education and cultural world that we live in today. Um, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.